Hey, it's Anton Krieger. This episode of All Things Green is brought to you by NextGen Clean Energy Solutions, your sustainability easy button from concept to completion. Welcome to All Things Green. I'm Anton, and today I'm joined by a very special guest. Victoria Avi is sustainability consultant and owner of Venture Forward Strategies. She's also a part of the organizational team of Cleveland's EcoMeet event. Victoria, how are you doing today? Oh, I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. Thanks for being on the show today. Victoria, take me through your background. Take me through your, your education and, uh, and how you ended up as the owner of your company. Oh, wow. That's a big question and <laughs> happy to answer. Um, yeah, so I am an immigrant. I came to United States when I was a teenager. And uh, uh, I actually recently spoke in greater detail about that journey on a different podcast, uh, EcoSpeak CLE. Check um, it out. We'll plug it in the show notes. <laughs> Um, but yeah, so I, I, you know, I came and just, uh, was really fascinated by art. So I studied art in, uh, Lakeland Community College and just kind of happened to stumble upon graphic design. Yeah. I graduated, uh, Cleveland State with a graphic design degree and, uh, my last semester at Cleveland State, I was inspired by a biology professor yeah. to learn more about climate change. Um, so I went back to school, to graduate school at Cleveland State, and focused on environmental studies. Um, and that's kind of how the journey started. So your last class that you needed to f fulfill your bachelor's degree yeah. was a biology class. Yes. And the professor was so inspiring that you said, Okay, now that I've gotten my graphic design degree, I want to switch gears and focus on climate change and sustainability. Yeah, I didn't really have the language around sustainability yet. Yeah. I think we weren't really calling it that yet. Mm -hmm. This was in 2003. And... Uh, I just wanted to learn more about what it means, what climate change means, why does it happen, how do we mitigate it. Um, and in the program I was in, you know, we covered all that. Yeah. Um, but I was also, you know, in, in the podcast, I talk about how I learned about the intersection of business communities and mm. how we create change um, um, kind of systemic change. Yeah. And that's when I learned about sustainability and an organization that was doing that work in Northeast Ohio was really inspiring called E4S. And I started working there. Okay. Um, and then uh, after E4S, I, you know, I worked um, with, uh, with a friend, um, on Clean Water Alliance, um, we were, cool. yeah, the first uh, um, kind of startup team of that organization, which was a lot of fun. And uh, and then I also taught at Cleveland State University in the MBA program. Mm -hmm. uh, I also worked at Cleveland State University um, in the outreach and um, engagement programs and uh, led um, the Center for Sustainable Business Practices and uh, also collaborated with Dave Nash on the corporate roundtable. I know <laughs> so you I can whole, keep. Yes. you got a whole host of experience. But what I what I really like hearing is um, you have an environmental uh, background in college. You worked in nonprofit spheres. You worked in higher education. Yeah. Uh, you now work as your own business owner. So you've got a lot of uh, intersection, like like yes. you were saying, the intersection of community, nonprofit, and business. Yeah. Uh, can you can you tell me a little bit about your experience um, adding sustainability practices into the 
uh, business courses that you taught because mm-hmm. you were teaching grad students who were going for their master's of business administration. Mm-hmm. Correct. So um, usually when I think of business, I don't think of sustainability or going green. Yeah. Uh, tell me a little bit about your experience of adding sustainability into into that course. Yeah. Well, the whole course was focused focused on what is sustainability, what does it mean to business, how does it show up in a business, yeah. how does it actually work on daily basis. And so we looked into a lot of case studies. Mm. Um, I curated the materials for students to figure out, you know, what are the best ways to integrate sustainability in different operations. Yeah. Because in, in that program, uh, an MBA program at Cleveland State, a lot of the students were professionals working at uh, the largest corporations in Northeast Ohio, like Sherwin-Williams and yeah. Librizol and Eaton and Parker Hannafin. So they uh, interacted with, um, you know, business in their roles already. Uh, and so we're trying to figure out what are some leverage points they have mm. impact on and can actually yeah. change. So these are like people that um, have already been putting in many years into their career. They wanted to go back for their master's. And you were actually able to work on some hands-on projects with people implementing strategies for sustainability in their career. Yeah, we actually... Um, had a few companies that uh, would volunteer and bring real challenges to the classroom, and the students worked on real sustainability challenges for those companies, which was really exciting to me because it's, you know, it's helping students learn, but it's also helping the companies actually come up with multiple solutions for that problem. Yeah. Um, so it was just a perfect mix. Uh, and I love the practical learning. Sustainability is very practical. It is a practice. Yeah. There's not, you know, mm. a kind of end place where like, yeah, now I'm sustainable, I'm done. It's a continuous practice. You're always constantly improving. And because the field is changing so much, we're learning more about um, kind of different attributes of sustainability. You kind of have to kind of roll with it and evolve over time. Yeah. Uh, So tell me a little bit about owning your own business. So companies will come to you and they'll say, hey, we need help with this problem or this problem. Can you tell me what types of companies you serve and what kind of things do they ask you for? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so Venture Forward Strategies uh, serves mid-market companies uh, in manufacturing. A lot of the companies are in consumer packaged goods. Mm. Um, so they come with specific requests. Sometimes uh, it could be you know, a company that makes a product that's, that is being sold at a big retailer. Mm. For example, okay. if it's Walmart or Target or yeah. Kroger. Um, and that retailer is asking all of their suppliers can you tell us, <laughs> have you measured your greenhouse gas emissions? Yeah. Um, what kind of sustainability initiatives have you implemented? And those mm. companies have to respond to those requests. Yeah. So oftentimes um, they need help. And I come in and kind of support them in that process. We'll look at the request, um, kind of what data needs to be pulled to respond to that. Mm. Um, oftentimes it's a very specific reporting structure that the customer is asking for. It could be CDP, mm. it could be thesis, and there's okay. just you know an alphabet soup of different reporting structures okay. out there and standards. Um, and can you tell us a little bit about those reporting? Like what kind of things are these giant companies like Kroger, Walmart, what are they looking at for for that type of reporting? 
Yeah, so the big, bigger companies are focusing on how do they reduce their impact, how do they reduce their greenhouse gas emissions, mm -hmm. and greenhouse gas emissions uh, are broken into three scopes, scope one and two and three, and a lot of uh, emissions are in scope three for companies. So scope one and two are direct emissions, so something that companies have control over, it's what they buy, what they burn. Uh, so if they have a fleet um, and they burn um, you know, gasoline to power that fleet, uh, they can count like how many gallons yeah. did they did they buy, um, or if they if they buy electricity um, for their production. Yeah. Um, so they can kind of look up the bills and say, okay, we know exactly how much we buy, and then this is how we calculate our scope one and two. Scope three is beyond the control of a company, so it's usually upstream and downstream okay. of that yeah. supply chain. And majority of greenhouse gases for most companies are in scope three, mm. outside of your control. So these That's big companies are saying, hey, we know down the road we will have to report in our scope three, and the only way we can do that if we engage our suppliers. Mm. Because they, they basically say, hey, I know that most of our uh, greenhouse gases, um, our emissions are in our supply chain, so let me ask them, how much are they emitting? And so the requests come, um, you know, they've been, the companies like Walmart have been asking their suppliers for years. Yeah. They've been encouraging them. They've been educating them. So there's a lot of support um, for suppliers, um, especially in Walmart's case. Um, but there's many others like that that have their own structure that say, fill this out, do this or do that. Or they rely on existing standardized processes like CDP. Like yeah. some, some big companies say, to all our suppliers or to their biggest um, suppliers, fill out CDP report. And CDP yeah. allows you to kind of dive deeper into um, the governance, dive deeper into your emissions. Um, yeah. And so, and so when, when these uh, companies that you work with, once they kind of get a grapple on their uh, overall carbon footprint or uh, is that the right word? Maybe mm -hmm. I'm not even, yeah. or the reporting, um, ideally maybe they can work towards even saving money and uh, not only helping out the environment, but helping out their own company sustainability. Um, For sure. Yeah, I think this is what I tell my clients. Yeah. I say, hey, you're already investing in responding to this particular thing, whatever that is, right? You're okay. already yeah. investing your time, maybe even money if you're hiring yeah. someone to do this. How do you leverage that investment and get more out of it? Yeah. And to me, it's all in the strategy. How do you incorporate it into the bigger strategy? Like, what does this mean for us? Okay, we can do this one-off request this year, but maybe next year we can see how we can leverage that and save more money, right? Whether yeah. it's reducing our um, um, how much energy we use or how much uh, uh, gasoline we use for our fleet, or maybe we switch our fleet, or maybe we look at our waste. Yeah. Uh, and you know, efficiency is. Uh, very cost effective because when you're looking for ways to make your process more effective and efficient, yeah. you t pr pretty much save money on that. And yeah. those savings go directly to your bottom line. Um, and if you look at the kind of exponential impact of efficiencies, that's great, right? You multiply that over the years that you yeah. wouldn't be doing that efficiency work. Um, so I think, it, it, I think my job is to inspire and encourage and support companies and say, okay, how can we make this um, more impactful for you, for, for your operations, yeah. so you could save more money. Yeah, and I think that's a great incentive for companies and um, hopefully for individuals. Um, they're, 
uh, when they're consuming these goods and things like that, hopefully uh, those prices will be lower or I don't know, maybe that's pie in the sky, but when companies save, hopefully consumers save as well. Um. <laughs> that might be a different podcast because then you get into like capitalism. Maybe we could take this. We'll bring you show, back but... on. We'll, we'll bring you back on. We'll bring you back on. But um, I think buybacks. Being able to uh, sorry. No, no, no. <laughs> being able to uh, uh, save money is a great way, a great incentive for for companies to make the transition into more environmentally friendly choices, right? Yes, I think because it, so energy is becoming more. We know that the current uh, sources of energy are finite, right? We know yeah. that coal is finite. We know that oil is finite. Yeah. Um, and so when you have a finite resource, you know how the the price will trend yeah. upward. So yeah. how do you plan for that? Like mm -hmm. if you know, um, you know the volume of goods that you produce, and you say, okay, we know that the rate of you know of energy increase is this, what will this cost us in 20 yeah. years? So it's almost like you're, you're able to look at the looming impacts of remaining on fossil fuels and you can help companies kind of make educated deci decisions on how to become sustainable and avoid that long-term uh, fossil fuel reliance. Yeah. And I think some companies look at it from kind of risk prevention mm. perspective. They say, how do we stabilize the pricing of our energy? Because if you look at um, kind of fossil fuel based uh, energy sources, the prices are pretty volatile, um, especially over the last 10 years. We've seen that. So we know the trends. So some companies say, we just want to stabilize it. We, even mm. if it's a little bit higher now, I want to know how much it'll cost me in 10 years. So and that's where renewables can come in. Is that even like, um, like gas prices, like volatile, can that be an example of like a volatile fossil fuel? Cause like when I'm paying at the pump, sometimes it's like 350, sometimes it's down to like 275 here in Cleveland. Is that an example of what you mean mm -hmm. by volatile? volatile? Yeah, for sure. And I mean, for a company that makes, for example, if it's a manufacturer of cars, right, yeah. they need a lot of electricity to heat and cool the building. Yeah. They need a lot of energy to uh, power their pumps if they have pumps or yeah. so there's, it's not just the kind of gasoline that consumers use, but it's yeah. um, electricity and heat. And On a much bigger gas. scale for yeah. companies, I'm exactly, sure. Exactly, yeah. Yeah. Well, that's really cool. I love the idea of sustainability, um, not only from like saving the environment, but also saving companies money. I think that's really cool. Yeah, I think, you know, I don't talk about this much, but I look at this as how do we create a dynamic equilibrium, right? So mm. it's we understand if we understand the resources that we have like globally yeah. what's available to us and understand kind of the culture of where we are in 2024 the kind of the, the culture of the world is in a very interesting precarious place right uh, if we were to retain our ability to live on this earth mm -hmm. <laughs> i mm -hmm. think we need to understand dynamic equilibrium. How do we still make the things we need to make? Mm -hmm. How do we still produce the food we need to produce, shelter, whatever humans need, but do it in the way that doesn't jeopardize our future? Yeah. And it's possible. I mean, we have mm. uh, simulators that kind of show us ways to um, find that um, dynamic equilibrium. Yeah. I love that. That sounds like a whole nother I know. episode we can talk <laughs> about dynamic e equal equilibrium dynamic equilibrium mm -hmm. um, because so th i'll give you a visual okay imagine <laughs> if you have a um a, a bowl yeah. and inside of it is a ball yeah and it you're trying to stabilize it and it constantly moves yeah but right? if you stop 
and you don't adjust it, it will kind of sit in one spot. Yeah. But if you want it to constantly kind of move and always be in equilibrium, you have to kind of adjust the movements of, I know it's maybe not the best visual, but that's how I see it. It has to, it has to move. You have, have to adjust to it. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think that's really cool and unique that you get to work with those companies on that type of project, those projects. Yeah. Um, but before we, we run out of time, I would love to uh, talk a little bit about your local activism here. Um, you are an organizer for the EcoMeet Cleveland group. Can you tell me a little bit about what you do and how you get people to convene and, and talk about sustainability at the local level. Yeah, for sure. It's I love engaging our local community in talking about sustainability because it brings me a lot of joy. And uh, EcoMeet CLE is, uh, you mentioned that in the introduction, was just a kind of uh, an effort um, between a few folks, myself, uh, Danielle Doza, Diane yeah. Bickett, and Greg Rotuno, we were like, let's see if we can call the network back and see if people want to get together in a tasting room of Great Lakes Brewing Company and talk about <laughs> sustainability. Yeah. And people responded positively. And we've been organizing what well, this is our fifth event that's coming up on wow. February 20th. Amazing. Um, and the topic of this upcoming event is how do we create a sustainable textile economy in Northeast Ohio? This region has been you know, has a rich history in textiles and mm -hmm. production and processing and garment um, design and uh, garment making. Um, but a lot of that tacit knowledge died. Yeah. We don't have a lot of uh, um, kind of engines that still um, power that uh, economy. So the question is, can we restart that engine? Is it possible? Yeah. Is it possible for us to source materials within 250 miles of this region yeah. and make fabric completely sustainable and local? Well, it's it's a nice uh, tidbit. Yeah. Um, definitely a good taste of what you're going to see if you go to the Eco Meet Cleveland event on the, the 20th. So yes. we'll definitely plug that for the show notes. Yeah. Um, but that's really an event where you and some of your, your friends or colleagues got together and you were like, this used to be a thing. We want to revive this. Let's just go drink beer and, and have these discussions, right? I mean, exactly. it was pretty yeah. much as simple yes. as that. Yeah, exactly. And uh, I think that's really inspirational because um, people in other major cities or even smaller towns, um, they want to be able to have these conversations and find ways to be more sustainable in their own communities. And yeah. I really admire that you just kind of took it upon yourself to do that. Yeah, sometimes I wonder why did we do that? Because it's a lot of work, and I, I constantly have to remind people we are volunteering for this. Yeah. Um, but I think it's it's worth it because um, you know it takes it takes energy to convene a network, and I'm willing to put that energy. Yeah, I think that's amazing. Um, tell me a little bit. I know that you are an avid reader. Mm. Um, that's something we talked about in the green room before we got on set here. Uh, tell me about some of the books that inspired you on your journey of sustainability. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so when I was teaching at Cleveland State, and one of the books that I relied on the most was called Natural Capitalism. Um, this is, I think this book was written in 1997, the okay. year I moved to the United States. Okay. Um, and it was written by Amory Lovins, Hunter Lovins, and Paul Hawken. And I see that book as such a great foundation for understanding sustainability on, on a systemic level. I recommend yeah. that book to everyone. It's a bit of a heavy read, but I love that book. And then, of course, Biomimicry, written by Janine Benyus, also 97, I think. Um, <laughs> Good year. I know. It's, uh, <laughs> but that one talks about biomimicry. I love the chapters start with how might we 
Um, how might we redesign uh, business? How might we mm -hmm. live like a forest? And so on. And uh, let's see. Um, uh, the, my latest obsession is All We Can Save. I love that book. It's written by Dr. Ayanna Elizabeth Johnson and Dr. Catherine Wilkinson. It's a collection of 60 essays by women, and yeah. it's just a great read, and it makes you cry, it makes you laugh, and it leaves you hopeful. <laughs> it will definitely make you cry because it's, you know, climate change is a, is a heavy topic. Yeah. Um, so I, I strongly recommend that book. And I think Dr. Ayanna Johnson is also releasing another book uh, this year. Uh, so I'm excited about that. And uh, uh, Consumed by Aja Barber uh, is a great book. If you're interested in uh, textiles and fast fashion, um, mm, it's yeah. a really good read. Um, it's, it's the first time I, I read this book a couple of years ago. And she talks about the global north and the global south, and it's the first time I've heard those terms. Mm. So I love learning, like reframing how we see the world and where things are consumed, where things are produced, and the relationship between two. Um, so it's, it's a great book. Some really heavy, hard-hitting topics. Um, yeah. We're definitely going to plug all of those in the show notes. Um, but before we wrap up here, I just want to ask if there's any local um, – people, any local organizations or, or national organizations that you would like to plug for people to get involved in their own community, to get involved nationwide, to get involved in sustainability? Yeah, there's quite a few. We're so rich in Cleveland, uh, in Northeast Ohio. We have so many really active individuals organizing different groups. Um, so if, if people who are watching this are curious to learn more, I would recommend find your group. There's yeah. all kinds. Uh, find the intersection that works for you that you find the most interesting. Um, some of the groups I've been involved with and know about uh, in Northeast Ohio are the Northeast Ohio Conscious Capitalism Chapter. There's the Black Environmental Leaders. Uh, I think they're gonna start having events again. Um, there's uh, the Great Lakes Biomimicry Network. Uh, you can learn a lot from them. There's the uh, Climate Citizens Lobby organization, organization. So if you're interested in kind of heavier side or more activist side of climate lobbying, that's a really good group to get involved with. Um, who am I forgetting? Uh, oh, and we have the Northeast Ohio Women in Sustainability <laughs> Group. I love it. I love it. Keep which, going. Which was started <laughs> in uh, 2020. It's an informal group. And so if uh, women are interested in joining, they could just email me uh, or find me on LinkedIn, and I'll uh, add them to the group. Um, Cleveland 2030 District. Um, Greater Cleveland Partnership has been doing a lot of interesting work. They organized a summit recently, so I think that's another organization to follow. Um, I think that's a good list. You are a convener. You bring people together. I really love that because we're only going to be able to tackle all these solutions if we're in it together, right? Yeah. Victoria, thank you so much for talking all things green with me. I'm going to let our viewers know how they can stay in touch with us. Thank you so much, Anton. If you'd like to stay connected with the show, be sure to follow us on TikTok at ATG Show. And if you'd like to rewatch full episodes, check out our YouTube channel, All Things Green Show. You can find all of our sources from today's episode in our show notes. Thank you for being a part of the global sustainability movement. Mm -hmm.